It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by Price Picks. Price Picks is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to pricepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week, you might be already in it, it might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Uh What it do, baby? Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 729 of Locked on Raptors for Wednesday, June the 17th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked on Raptors. We can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you are checking out the entirety of the Locked on Podcast Network as we ramp up towards actual sports, it seems. And it seems like we've kind of gotten through the dead time here. Lots of news coming out every single day, fast and furious. So please, Make sure you're checking out all the Locked On shows to get the up-to-date info, whether it's the national show or the local shows, for a team that you like in one of the big four sports, except maybe baseball, because baseball is sad. But that's okay, too, because all the hosts on the Baseball Network right now are basically just railing on Rob Manfred, which is pretty cathartic to listen to as well if you're a baseball fan. So go check all those out. Today's show is, of course, brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. You're going to get 10% off your first order when you use the promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. And right now, they have 50 50% off all orders of four boxes or more. So be sure to take advantage of that offer. All right, on today's show, we are going to dive into the second part of my conversation with Yasmin from yesterday, where we started our title running review of the final series against the Warriors last season. And games five and six are so chock full of drama and content and stuff that is worthy of talking about at length that I decided to turn it into its own episode because it really is worthy of its own sort of center stage, those two final games of the finals. So we're going to get to that in just a second. But first, we should probably quickly address just sort of the breaking news as it pertains to the NBA's return. Obviously, the main thing is that yesterday, the NBA released a 113-page protocol detailing all the ways in which they're going to establish the bubble in Disney World at the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex, the hotels that the teams are staying at, the Raptors are apparently at the nicest one. I don't know. I don't have an opinion on Disney hotels, but the pictures of the Grand Destino look pretty nice. So the Raptors will be there with all the other highest-seeded teams. 
We will also see the Raptors head to Florida before any other team, obviously with the closure of the Canadian border and quarantine rules. It just timing wise, it makes sense for them to go to Florida right away instead of having to quarantine in Canada upon returning and then quarantining back when they get back to the States um, with only about half the team being in Toronto right now. So that is interesting as well. And it kind of sucks a little bit as the case numbers in Florida kind of get out of control and we're seeing a lot of uh, concern about, you know, I think there was just a report that 50% of the employees at the Orlando airport tested positive who were tested um, over the course of the last few days. So that's pretty terrifying. So we'll see if even all of this takes place because, you know, it seems as though America has given up on handling the pandemic. But Assuming things are going to go forward here, the Raptors are going to head to Naples, Florida and uh, hang out at the Florida Gulf Coast, Dunk City uh, University campus and get their training camp in there. And I guess we'll see. I mean, maybe they just end up there and they don't end up going to the bubble because things get out of control in Florida. I don't know. It seems like the NBA is pretty damn determined as they proved with this 113 page plan. And uh, so we'll, we'll keep you posted there. I think tomorrow we're going to dive a little bit more into the nitty gritty of it all. I know I've been kind of uh, negative about the whole idea of the league returning. And honestly, I still kind of am. And I'm very concerned about the case numbers and all that stuff and how they're actually going to maintain safety of players. If the Disney employees are able to come and go, that seems like it's kind of a, a gateway for disaster. But we will get into sort of the nitty-gritty of all the details and how things are going to play out. And uh, more, I'm sure, is going to come out today from that 113-page document as well that we can talk about tomorrow on the podcast, whether it's solo, whether I get a guest, that will be tomorrow's. But today, we are celebrating. It is, of course, one year since the championship parade, one year since Marc Gasol got the drunkest he's ever been, and all that wonderful stuff. One year since Kawhi laughed. It was a wonderful day, and it feels fitting to sort of cap off our remembering of last season that we've done over the last couple months here by finishing it off here with the conversation with Yasmin about games five and six of the finals, as well as the sort of championship reaction and fallout that we all had in the following days with the parade and everything like that. So hope you enjoy it, and we will get to the conversation right now with myself and Yasmin. But first, I want to tell you about Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's so good. It's a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. 16 amazing flavors. They have new flavors all the time. They have chocolate and nut flavors. They have chocolate and nut-free flavors for those with allergies. And bars are covered in 100% dark chocolate. Soft and easy to chew as well. Bars are great. Built Bars are great, that is, for the health-conscious person. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. I don't necessarily like protein bars all that much. A lot of the ones I've tried in sort of my past life where I needed to sort of have quick energy on the go, uh, uh, they just they, they weren't really I wasn't a fan they're, they're gritty they don't taste necessarily very good but built bars are basically just like candy bars they have like the consistency of a Mars bar I put mine in the fridge and pull them out and they're like very tasty easy to chew when you do that uh, and yeah the chewiness is like the perfect thing it's not gritty it's not like you have to microwave it just to get it down your gullet it's just a very easy calm thing to chew on and eat it's it's wonderful go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on you're gonna get ten dollars off of your first order use the promo code locked on for 10 bucks off at builtbar.com and of course this week as i mentioned off the top they have a 50 percent off sale on orders of four boxes or more so go check that out and they do of course deliver to canada the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, 
Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, let's get to it. The conversation, part two of my conversation, that is, with Yasmin about the finals last year, games five and six, as well as the next few days of uh, just unbelievable celebration. Yasmin, let's continue on here with the final two games of the finals. Whole lot to jam into these two games. Game five is just like a remarkable game from like drama and like cinematic elements. It was overwhelming. It was just so <laughs> much. I was going back and like pulling audio for the audiobook podcast, and I just had a thousand clips on my hands because it just was endless. And so. First of all, let's sort of talk about the lead up to that game, because this is, you know, it felt almost preordained for a day or two after the Raptors win game four. They go up 3-1, they sweep at Oracle, and it feels like they're going back for a coronation. And then I think it's the day before, the day of, you know, or the day before it it leaks that Kevin Durant's going to work out. And then I think the day of, like a few hours before game time, it's, oh yeah, Kevin Durant's going to play. What was your feeling when it came out that Kevin Durant was going to play? Did your stomach drop out? Were you uh, like unfazed? <laughs> what, what was your sort of feeling when that happened? Uh, I was thinking, oh, this is how it ends. <laughs> because you're up, of course, it's a 3-1 lead that's going to be lost to what, like a, a top two player in the NBA coming back. Um, but yeah, I was like, I was really worried um, I, I feel like, um, when they were showing clips of Kevin, uh, just putting up some shots, uh, prior to the game, there were like a cluster, I'd say around a hundred fans right behind the net, staring at him, not making a sound. <laughs> like you could hear a pin <laughs> drop in the arena when he was practicing his dunking, uh, trying to like work that, um, lower calf out. And, uh, and you, you could tell that they were terrified. Yeah, <laughs> and, and then we got that iconic clip of him dancing in the hallway mm-hmm. <laughs> prior to the game, not knowing that his calf was being held together uh, with a string, basically. <laughs> um, but yeah, that game, I was extremely worried going into it. Like, I, I thought it, it was it was setting up to be too devastating. You know what I mean? Totally. Like, of course, this is this is how it happens. Like, this is what we're going to read about in the future. This is how the Raptors lost that opportunity. Yeah, it was frightening. And seeing him hit the floor and hit like a three right out of the gate and then another and then another, it was like, oh, God, uh, this is not good. Uh, I, I And that, that 3-1 symmetry that you mentioned really felt too easy for it not to yeah. matter. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. it was just a little bit terrifying, even maybe though we, we should have not focused on that too much. Just it was impossible to get that out of, out of my brain. it's a cursed ratio for a playoff (laughs) series 3-1 means either something very good is going to happen or something very bad yeah exactly and so you know KD comes out I'm terrified and like honestly the Raptors played pretty well to keep with the Warriors in that first you know 13 or so minutes of the first yeah people talk about it like there were people talk about it like the Warriors were leading by 10 right out the gate Mm -hmm. I think it was a three-point game when Kevin went down. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, there was all the sort of second-guessing of Steve Kerr after KD played most of the first quarter, if not all of it. He finished with, I think he played, like, 13 minutes of actual game time he was available for, and he played 12 minutes. So, um, you know, that was sort of a thing. And then it all happens. He goes to try to cross over Serge Ibaka. He loses his footing. Serge goes the other way. Where were you watching this game, and what was the reaction of the people around you, if there were any, to it happening? And what was your reaction? Because this is like so many different emotions and feelings tied up in like a ten-second yeah. sequence. 
Yeah. Um, from what I understand, like, um, what I noticed is that Kevin really wasn't moving much mm-hmm. uh, when he was on the court. Um, so I believe that Nick Nurse encouraged uh, Ibaka to really get up under him mm-hmm. and force him to maneuver around him so they could see what they were dealing with. I think they wanted to see the scope of his uh, mobility at that point. Um, so I was watching it at home with family and like you you immediately know when someone comes back from a strained lower calf and they go down again, clenching like their Achilles, that no good things come that come out of that. And like first personally for me, uh, Durant is like my favorite player in the NBA skills wise. Right. Um, so like to see him go down with something that could alter the, um, trajectory of his career, like as he is kind of in the right in the dead of his prime was like really upsetting. So I think there was just kind of shock radiating throughout the arena. And of course you have people cheering um, because I, I, I'm not even sure how to feel about that. I feel like at that point um, in uh, the fifth game of the finals, it's really not much like it's, I, it's not like a normal Raptors fan in there. I feel yeah. like um, in order to get those uh, tickets, it's people who are connected through uh, their companies or who play, who pay, um, ridiculous amount of money uh, money to enter the arena so um you could see like people around the courtside seats like elated that he went down um but it seemed like as soon as it sunk in like oh he's like being carried out by raptors and warriors players like this is serious uh people realize like how, how like that's such bad optics mm-hmm. um and i i feel like after that there was just like an awkwardness to the rest of the game i really didn't care what happened um, at that point. So when they lost, I thought, you know, who cares? They're probably going to win this series, but you know, this really sucks. Um, uh, yeah. So that was, that was a feeling. I feel like that was hanging in the entire arena, like to win on that court and to win the franchise's first, um, championship right after, um, the second best player in the league goes down mm-hmm. like that. That is, it, it, it would have, uh, kind of tainted everything you know if he, i feel like it would have been even in the back of my head you know yeah i i totally am with you i think i'm on record in written work saying that i'm glad they didn't win that game because yeah like to imagine the title celebration going on with the backdrop of like bob myers crying at the podium talking about kevin durant oh, like that just would have been yeah. way too much and it, it just you're right after that happened the next i would say quarter and a half at least just felt like really weird it, like just a bizarre yeah, I feel like energy just going through the motion yeah and like you have the warriors come out and they played really well after that i mean demarcus cousins had like his best stretch of the entire postseason uh when he came out and he had like 14 and 6 and was like after being unplayable for the previous two games kind of yeah. like helped them steady the, the the tide a little bit and then you know I, I will say as much as i did not care and i'm glad they didn't end up winning it I could not help but be fully invested once again as Kawhi started doing whatever the hell it was he started <laughs> oh, oh, doing yeah. in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I won't lie. That stretch had the audience like really engaged. And I, I will say that last sequence with um, the Splash Brothers like in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. was like an all-time finals moment. Like just seeing them hit clutch shot after clutch shot and then end with like a basically a game winner was just amazing. Um, but at what cost? <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, so... Yeah, so it, it was an important game, but yeah, Kawhi kind of like 
spark some life back into that arena. That stretch, uh, like it starts with like I think a, like a putback, and then he had like a steal or two, and he set up a norm dunk, and he hit a couple threes, and it was just like the most outside of that stretch where he sort of single handedly led the comeback against Milwaukee in Game Six. It was kind of the most it ever felt as though the Raptors had that guy. You know, it was like a guy doing LeBron oh, yeah. shit to, like, like the, kind of the feeling when LeBron would do that to the Raptors, but you're on yeah. the good side of it, and it's like, oh, my God, this is the most, like, freeing feeling in the world knowing this guy is on your team. And then yeah. they call that timeout with, like, three minutes left because Nurse was, didn't want to lose it because under three minutes he was going to lose a timeout, and he, they just seemed kind of gassed. And, you know, people that was if you're going to like question a decision nurse made throughout the entire postseason, that's probably the one, because even yeah. after the game, Draymond was like, yeah, glad he called that timeout. It kind of helped us regroup <laughs> a little bit. And we got Steph and Clay. Well, I, I, <laughs> I, I feel like some of the Raptors, like whenever I watched that clip, I feel like they were kind of looking at him, like gesturing, like we're exhausted. Yeah, you know yeah, what I mean? Totally. Like I, I, I could have sworn that I saw Kawhi kind of look at nurse like, yeah, are we going to call a timeout? Um, but yeah, it, it did. I feel like it kind of disjointed their, um, flow. Um, but yeah, so like, I, I'm not sure I really believe like, um, a hot streak, but I do think that you can disrupt, um, the flow of the game. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that did kind of disrupt it a little bit. Um, it gave the other side a chance to rest too. Um, and yeah, it led to that sequence. Yeah, the Raptors don't score an actual basket for the rest of the game. There's one Cousins uh, goaltending call that they have go for them, but other than that, they don't score. Um, so we get to the last play, and they set up the Kyle three in the corner. Do you remember mm -hmm. what went through your head as that shot was going up? Because as much as I didn't want the Raptors to win, it would have been yeah. pretty damn awesome to see Kyle freaking Lowry hit a game-winning buzzer beater to win the yeah. title. Like it, there were so many conflicting emotions with it all. Just a, a like an absolute bear of a game. <laughs> yeah. Um. When it went up, I honestly thought it was going in because I feel like that corner on that side of the court is kind of money for him. Um. Uh, but when it hit like the back of the board, I knew it was blocked, which is which is weird. Like a lot of people were like, "Oh, look what Kyle Lowry did! Yeah, he hit the Kyle backboard." I'm like, again. "Come on, yeah. <laughs> this guy is a professional basketball player. He was clearly blocked. He had like a six foot six Draymond <laughs> leaping towards the trajectory of the ball. Of course, it was this. Like I saw on Instagram, Kyle had to like show photos of <laughs> Draymond's hand slapping it away. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like that. That would have been a moment. That would have been. Um, I I feel like." I feel like we compare um, Kyle's career to Chauncey Billups. I feel like the, the comparisons would be even more apt if um, that act had actually happened. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It was... Uh, he would have been Mr. Big Shot, too. Yeah, absolutely. And again, just like like that being contrasted like with Kyle having his moment at the home court, like that all taking place while the Warriors are reeling in the back, like all would have been so, so strange. And I mean, it's not like yeah, the... Yeah, it would have. The championship celebration in uh, Golden State was any uh, less strange or mired by uh, strange shit going on, but it was, yeah, uh, yeah just uh, like I, I'll never forget that game as long as I live. It was just so bizarre and so I think worthy of being in the finals from like a drama perspective. Like it totally just like had everything you want from a finals game. And then that leads you in, I mean, minus the horrible injury, I should note that. Uh, I wasn't rooting for that by any means. I'm not one of the ghouls who was sitting courtside. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I figured people knew that. 
All right, we're going to finish off the conversation with Yasmin in just a second. But first, I want to tell everybody about Rock Auto. I've said it before on this podcast. I know nothing about cars. It's impossible. And I always end up paying more than I should because I go to the mechanic and I just say, you fix this thing. I don't know what to do. And they charge me and I don't even second guess it. But with Rock Auto, you can get the auto parts you need for a price that you are going to be so much better off paying than the ones I have in the past. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpets. Whether it's for your classic that you're tuning up or your daily driver, you get everything you need in just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is basically used by all mechanics anyway, except they mark up the prices because that's what they do. Whereas with rockauto.com, the prices are reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. And you can Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. It takes like a minute to find the right parts. You just type in your make, your model, your year, and then boom, all the different parts you might need and all the most used parts for that car that have been on the market for years. In the case of my car, the 2009 Nissan Versa, super easy to find anything. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box as well so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts you're ever going to need at rockauto.com the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the nba playoffs mark your calendars to listen to locked on nba every monday to be up to date Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Anyway, game six comes along then, and I mean, I felt pretty good, I think. I, it's hard to sort of get back in the mindset. There was like a, yes, they're the better team. Yes, Clay is out. So, or sorry, yes, like Kevin Durant's out. Um, and so like it's kind of back to what it was matchup-wise before um, and so I felt decent, but again, that sort of three, one thing was in the air. Being at Oracle was pretty terrifying. What were your thoughts going in to the deciding game six? Um, I was really actually worried about <laughs> the games. I, it was weird because, um, it wasn't until I sat down to watch it that I began to like panic a little bit because I'm like, this is game six. That's really close to game seven. <laughs> I don't want them to be in a game seven scenario, you know? Um, but yeah, like going into it, I was like extremely nervous but i i will say it it really it only took two minutes for me to completely be at ease yeah like to see kyle so comfortable i was like oh never mind uh it looks like they stand a chance yeah that 11 points to start the game is probably my favorite stretch from any raptor ever and you know obviously it's you know because of the context that it's in that it stands out even more but for him to have that moment it was it was just so wonderful and then you know, it's a really closely contested game. I don't think either team was up by double digits at any point in this one. It was super close back and forth. The third mm-hmm. quarter is where I start to get real nervous because Clay starts going crazy and it's like extreme game six against the Thunder vibes. And it's just like, I don't like this at all. Steph is going on doing his thing as well. Um, and then Clay goes down with the injury, which 
yeah. sucked again. And like the Warriors just were so snake bitten with injuries in this one in this series. Um, and then like he comes out of the cl- out of the locker room before we know he's torn his ACL. He comes out of the locker room to hit the free throws like a freaking hero. Uh, and, and that was like again like making me question whether the Raptors had it in them. I don't know. What was your sort of feeling in that third quarter as it seemed like things were maybe tilting towards Golden State? Um, I, I, I will say like the, the series um, against the Warriors taught me that like an individual run may not lead to anything. Right. You know what I mean? So I wasn't, I wasn't too worried about play going off because that's what he's going to do. The one thing I was worried about was whether, um, Steph was being like he was held under control, and th- that's what they were doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, and even with uh, Clay just going completely crazy and hitting everything, um, they they still had the game in striking distance. I think they were only down three um, at the point when he was injured. So that was horrible to see. It really taught me that getting to the finals and executing a finals at full health is majority luck you know what i mean like these guys are worn down Mm -hmm. um from so from a season of play and then an additional does like a couple dozen games um so to see um the warriors kind of breaking down under that it was really sad to see especially with such serious injuries like a torn achilles and then a torn acl like that's really serious yeah um within two games the entire like shape of the league changed right it's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this season was altered by that. So, um, I I think the Raptors just kind of realized that this is just how it is. Like the most healthy team wins as often as the best team. You know. Yeah. So, um, I feel like they they knew it was an accident. It was a freak accident. Um, with Danny Green going in for the chase down block, which is just you know a classic thing for Danny Green to do. He's <laughs> a shot blocking shooting guard. That's what he does. Um, and he was like overly like apologetic because he knew the seriousness. Oh yeah. Um, so to, I, 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 I feel like I, I was worried that the same energy from the, from game five would fall over them again. Right. Um, so that's what I was looking out for after that point. Um, but it seemed that they were determined to just close this out for the sake of both sides. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> like it was, it was almost like a mercy killing. Like we need to stop this soon. Yeah, totally. It, it was. I mean, that fourth quarter will always stand out to me as well. And, and I think my favorite thing about this game, you know, it, it was really awesome to have Kawhi sort of be the workhorse the entire postseason and put the team on his back and sort of be the guy who carried the day, but. I thought it was really fitting and cool that in game six, the deciding game, you have kind of the guys who had been through the shit really as the ones who kind of carried the load. I mean, it was Ibaka and Van Vliet off the bench combining for 37. Um, mm-hmm. Pascal and Kyle, both the 26. Like those four in particular kind of being the ones to drive them to the win was just so satisfying and just yeah. like it, it was just like it made everything worth it over the last few years all the hardships and all that obviously and for those guys to get those moments and for Kyle to have the game he did was just incredible um and to see yeah. the to see the young guys to see um you know the g-leaguers uh Pascal and De- um Fred Van Vliet, yeah. um come out like completely cool calm and collected in game six of the finals yeah. like you know what I mean? Like they're both just entering their prime. They're so so young, um, and to see them carry themselves like 
so calmly um, and be so sure of their skill sets. Mm -hmm. And to see um, like the, those threes that uh, Freddie hit in the fourth, like those were tide turning threes. You know what I mean? Like this is when the team like was against the ropes um, and he came in um, and hit those shots. Like he didn't wait for uh, the play to be set up for him. He um, took it upon himself to execute that um, and to see, him to, to see him do that and to see Pascal take the basically the last shot of the game. Um, mm -hmm. when, when I feel like there was a point um, within, towards the last couple of minutes of the game where things were moving so fast. Like there was almost like a, a feverishness to everything yeah. um, where all the players looked almost like panicked on both sides. So to see <laughs> him um, do that, uh, what was it? It was like a crossover Euro step um, past Draymond and to like fake him yeah. out and to hit that layup hit that uh that runner like that was amazing yeah that was it was really cool because that was like one of like pascal's first shots that he kind of mastered right going back to even like his second season and to see yeah. that kind of be the thing that he went to in that situation was really cool um and, and kind of poetic and yeah like fred and pascal hitting all those shots in the fourth and kyle also had a big fourth if i recall as well uh, yeah. after kind of taking a back seat in the middle quarters like it, it just was like those guys seemed so hardened by everything and they just were so unfazed, like you said. And that was like, just <sighs> that, that fourth quarter, it, it like, I know there's other games that probably stand out a little bit more, but to see just through all that sort of frantic energy you were talking about, those guys kind of find the calm. It really was sort of the, the combination of the entire postseason run, right. Where like eventually yeah. Kawhi's extremely calm energy that they, you know, referred to all the time, like how, how he steadies the team and how he kind of gets us ready. It was like, finally, he had passed the torch of calmness to everybody else and they just kind of <laughs> yeah. closed it out. It was, uh, it was really beautiful. And then we get to that damn, like 15 minute final two seconds. Uh, <laughs> did, <laughs> were you envisioning ways in which things were going to go horribly wrong? Obviously Danny Green almost throws it away. Uh, Steph misses a, a three or two down there. Like it's, there's so many, like stops and starts in that final like 10 seconds of the game that it's hard to like get it chronologically accurate. But um, what are your memories of that sort of final stretch where it's so close and it's within grasp. And at one point there's literally zero seconds on the clock yet. They still haven't won. <laughs> like what, what were your yeah, sort of thoughts um, then? Uh, it, it was interesting because um, when Danny green um, threw that ball away, I, I really didn't take in what had just happened until after the game when everyone was talking about it, because I, I guess then we knew the implications. If he missed that shot and Steph had hit that game winner and they had gone into a game seven against the Warriors, <laughs> that would have been ugly. Like even even if it was without Clay and everything, like that was just that it, like it took people would be saying forever, like it took me seven games to beat up like a to to beat um a Warriors team that was basically on crutches. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um to like that I didn't really get what happened until after everyone was talking about it. like all I saw was just a turnover from somebody who was kind of trapped against um uh on like court side so um I wasn't too concerned with that but I I will say like after I after like when they when they wrote up that play for um Steph's game winner first of all it was a great play I I no like no Raptor knew where the ball was coming from, like what the execution was going to be. Like from what I understand, it was, um, I think Draymond just kind of launched the ball mm -hmm. and Steph went up through a couple screens or something. And it happened to be 
at like right at the wing of the perimeter. So, mm -hmm. um, and then and then out of nowhere, like uh, Surge sees what's happening. Like out of all the Raptors, Surge <laughs> sees what's happening and starts like running for Steph and gives a decent contest. Yeah. Um, and I will say uh, Steph's feet weren't set that well. Like he kind of his whole body turned at the shot. Um, so that that was the final moment where I was like panicking. After that, um, I knew that they were basically going to hit a couple free throws and win. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that shot and like it terrified me. Totally. And yeah, once Draymond does the uh, the Chris Webber timeout when with no timeouts left, that yeah, yeah. kind of sealed it. And then it was just that sort of like it was kind of the similar thing to the end of game six against the Bucks, right? Where I think it took like five minutes of real time to play out the last seven seconds because yeah. of the constant stoppages and timeouts. Um, and it's just like, please give me gratification now. Uh, <laughs> but he had to wait it out. Of course, they win it. What was your, uh, you know, after they, they win it, where were you and sort of what was your uh, next steps in terms of uh, celebrating <laughs> with the people? <laughs> um, basically, I was watching with my family at home. Um, in our living room. So <laughs> as soon as um, I feel like after Steph missed that three, um, you could hear honking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and people yelling from um, the balconies, like from the flats across my street. Um, but yeah, I love, I, I basically, I don't think I slept that night. I think I spent the whole night um, looking at people, uh, watching like the news coverage. Like I feel like that went on like well past midnight. Mm -hmm. um, and also watching um, just people show, showing footage of their street in who knows where Canada <laughs> and people like just celebrating just completely elated um that was amazing to see like I, I we've never known like that kind of basketball joy like ever yeah um and, and I remember Steph was commenting like after the Raptors had uh, won game six of the Eastern Conference Finals he was saying like yeah the whole country's acting like they won the championship <laughs> like this is our championship yeah. this is the furthest the team has gotten <laughs> That's why there's confetti and everything. Yeah. I, I like I was surprised that we were able to top the game six uh, Eastern Conference final celebration because that was uh, batshit crazy, too. But yeah. yeah, I we so I for since game five of the series, I had been carrying around in my backpack an enormous bottle of Bambino from the LCBO, like a $14, just like terrible champagne. But the bottle was huge and had an enormous <laughs> spray radius. Uh, so I remember we like spilled out of the bar on a Bloor Street and I sprayed that around and then. Um, somehow like most of the businesses along Bloor ha had already put fireworks on their roof and were ready to go off. Oh, yeah. And so like yeah. <laughs> Bloor street was just like underneath a, an umbrella of fireworks. Um, and then I had to like get home to uh, finish the book and send it my last thing on like the finals MVP thing, which I thankfully pre-written about Kawhi and thankfully Fred didn't ruin it by uh, ended up getting, getting, <laughs> getting more than one vote. Um, but so the drive from, so we were at Hurricanes Bar, so like Queen and Dover Court, or sorry, Bloor and Dover Court, we're driving down Bloor to get to the highway and the entire street was like a high five line basically, which is crazy thinking about it in the time of COVID, but I'm like leaning out Wait, of the car. the car. Yeah. So I'm leaning out of the car. My fiance's driving. I'm leaning out of the car and there's just people everywhere. And it's just like swapping high fives with every person who's on the street. And it was beautiful. <laughs> uh, my fiance at one point when a garbage truck was driving by rolls down her window and screams, get that garbage out of here. And he like <laughs> slams on the horn. Uh, it was, uh, it was a scene. I will say um, after game five, um, my cousin happened to be downtown and she doesn't watch the Raptors, but she watched it for that um, game because she heard, you know, yeah. the team might win a championship tonight. So she headed downtown um, and after they had lost, she went outside 
and the town was full to the brim. Yeah. Uh, and people were just walking around in silence. Like she was so confused <laughs> because people were, and and I completely understand their energy. Like after a loss, you kind of don't want to talk to anybody about it. Yeah. And she was like, everyone was just roaming around the middle of the road like zombies, not speaking to each other. <laughs> and it was the same crowd you had for the end of game six, but you know it didn't happen then. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I remember watching like the the replays of all the post game stuff once I got home until about four a.m. I also ordered uh, McDonald's on Uber Eats at three thirty and hugged my Uber Eats driver because he was in a Raptors jersey. <laughs> uh, and again, all of these things that just were not possible or uh, not are not possible after the virus. But um, glad we got it in before the, the world uh, stopped functioning as we know it because. Uh, <laughs> It was freaking wonderful. Uh, as yeah, was we always podcast, talk about Yasmin. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, sorry, you were going to say something there. Yeah, I was just saying like, um, oh god, what was I going to say? <laughs> um, yeah, never mind. Okay, no worries. Uh, <laughs> <that> <laughs> sorry if I uh, cut you off prematurely no, it's okay, there. It's okay. Yeah. Um, it must not have been important. Yeah. But yeah, you're you're right though. It was uh, like a once in a lifetime kind of thing, and it's really damn cool that they were able to uh, to get it in before. Like I'm just so thankful that they took advantage of the one year. <laughs> yeah, imagine if this was the season. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Imagine if this was the season that they had gotten why. Oh man. Like this broken, depressing season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, God. Thankfully, that's not the case. But. Um, <sighs> You just bum me out, making me think that. <laughs> Some other dimension yeah. um, is very depressed right yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, Clippers fans are probably pretty depressed too, although I don't <laughs> feel much sympathy for them. But um, yeah, wonderful stuff. Yasmin, thank you so much for joining me on this trip down memory lane, which I've definitely turned into me. two parts because we went quite a while, which is great. Yeah. Uh, there's so much to get into from this series. Um, do you have anything? You have uh, certainly one thing you want to promote that's brand new, but you have lots of things on the go. So where should people check you out? Um, yeah, I'm on Twitter at Criminal Drama. Um, and yeah, I just um, dropped a journal where I just kind of write personal essays and thoughts and excerpts and whatnot um, about um, NBA basketball in general. Um, you know, it's, it's, we often see people try to separate um, basketball from the rest of their lives to kind of preserve that escapism. And I was talking to Will Lu about it um, on his podcast. Uh, mm -hmm. But I kind of do the opposite on this journal where I kind of I, I love doing that where we talk about um, NBA basketball in um, the context of everything that's happening in the world and everything that already exists in art and culture and music and everything um, and contextualize it. And honestly, it makes for a more riching um, enjoyment of the sport. And I encourage everyone to um, check it out, um, you know, and it's how I like to consume any type of um cultural critique like you know i love write reading personal essays for um from people who critique music and film so i thought you know why not add to um the culture and do one for basketball and there are already so many um really great uh personal essay writers in sports media so i i i can't wait to you know contribute further i i can't wait to read more of your work it's wonderful you do such a great job of you know, blending that sort of cultural stuff into it while also just being like kick-ass at describing the game and X's and O's and stuff. Thank like you. it's such a difficult balance that I've never personally been able to strike, but you do it in such an easy and like just very ingestible way. So thank, thank you for you. the wonderful work you're doing over there. The neonplaybook.com, 
go check it out and uh also dishes and dimes which is a wonderful podcast yes, of course. yeah uh just a, a, a fantastic podcast that you should check out with yasmin and the whole crew over there uh at carmelo drama on twitter as well yasmin thank you so much Thanks for having me. Uh, you can find me at Woodley Sean. You can subscribe to rate review this podcast wherever you get your podcast. It's much appreciated when you do that. Uh, and thank you so much for tuning in. It was, it was lovely to sort of do the audiobook podcast and take a look back and lovely to do this episode. And uh, now I think we'll probably start looking forward to this doomed NBA return plan a little bit more. Stop remembering some guys quite so often. But um, until then, thank you so much. And we will talk to you again later in the week with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.